You, no, that's okay. You, you are too tall. G- Gary and I are about the same height, so. Um, whether you're members or whether you're visitors or not, one thing I know is that God loves you very much. I can say that with complete confidence because His love is unconditional. And so it doesn't matter if you're doing well right now in your discipleship. It doesn't matter if you've been struggling. All of us do. And, and God's love is unconditional, so He loves you, and we are very glad you're here. Um, so, you know, Patrick, after we realized that I was going to be moving here, Patrick said, you know, will, will you preach on October 20th? Turns out, not only is it MEA weekend, but then he said, you got to preach on the Holy Spirit. And I don't have enough time to do that. But one thing Patrick did say was that he's been thinking about doing a whole series on the Holy Spirit, and I really am glad that he is going to do that. I'm, I'm sure he's going to do that. Uh, hopefully it's soon. Uh, but I will try, with, with the time I'm given, to talk about the Holy Spirit in a very general way. It is one of the elements, one of the building blocks of our discipleship. We cannot walk through this life as learners, as followers of Jesus, without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been misunderstood and many times ignored by Christians. I believe that that's happened over the, for the last 1,900 years. Do we value God the Father? I know we do. Do we value Jesus the Son? then why do we as Christians sometimes devalue the Holy Spirit? Even worse, sometimes we ignore the Bible passages about it or we misinterpret the Bible passages about it based on our lack of experience, based on tradition. How much do you know about the Holy Spirit? Me neither. How much have you experienced the Holy Spirit? You know, the early church did not know as much about the Holy Spirit as we do now. It was all new to them, too. The difference was the early church didn't have a lot of the baggage that we have. They didn't have some of the traditional teaching that we have to deal with. They didn't have the abuses of the Holy Spirit that we've seen or heard about. Uh, So in some ways, we know more and yet have experienced less. And and so in some ways, the early church had that advantage. What we must do is to train ourselves to look at Scripture, read God's Word with an open mind. Go to, you know, Bruce, the last couple of weeks, has talked about the authority of Scripture, has talked about the interpretation of Scripture, and he's done good on that, and he's done well with that. And so What we need to do is go to God's Word and train ourselves. Look, I'm going to read this like I haven't read it before, and I'm for sure going to read it like I haven't made my mind up about this yet. So that's what I want to do. One of the first things I want to talk about is that the Holy Spirit is a person. I think sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we uh, have misunderstood the Holy Spirit because we don't think of Him that way. We think of Him as a power. We think of Him as a force, um, and we don't think of Him... 
as a person. But in Acts 15, verse 28, it says, And I will ask, uh, it says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. Now, I like Acts 15 because in Acts 15, the early church is having an issue between Jews and Gentiles, and this is their compromise. And at the end, when they're making the compromise, they say, all right, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. If the Holy Spirit is just a power or force or a thing, then how does it seem good to the Holy Spirit? In John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, it says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. I wonder how many times we miss out on the Holy Spirit because we're not looking for Him and we don't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. So in the original language, uh, the word for spirit uh, is neuter form. It's, it's not masculine or feminine. And yet, in this passage and many others in John, it, it is used with the masculine pronoun. That's not normal. And the only reason I can think of that, that, that the writers do that is because they recognize that he was more than just a thing. He was more than, uh, than just a power. He is that. But he is more than that, and they thought of him uh, as a person. Um, did you know the Holy Spirit has feelings? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, Paul says, And do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit, to God's Spirit by the way you live. Do not bring sorrow. Some versions say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And if you look at Ephesians 4, the whole chapter is talking about unity. And I believe one of the things that we as Christians do to grieve the Holy Spirit or bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit is when we divide and when we uh, break off from one another and when we uh, do not think of unity as something to strive for. So whether it's talking about pronouns, whether the Holy Spirit has feelings, um, I, I think that these verses all kind of let us know that the Holy Spirit is more than just a power, is more than just a thing. Martin Lloyd-Jones said in his book, God the Holy Spirit, I am very ready to agree with those who say that the low spiritual life of the church, today or at any time, is largely due to the fact that so many fail to realize the truth concerning the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I wouldn't just say that that's the low spiritual life of the church. I, I would say when I'm not doing well and my spiritual life is low, it is because I am not relying on the Holy Spirit in my life as well. Um, if you talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, person and work of the Holy Spirit, if you talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, Batman has a good quote. So this is old Batman, not, not new Batman. Batman was talking to Alfred, and he gave a riddle, and he said, where does a 500-pound gorilla sleep? And Alfred responds, anywhere he wants, okay? If you're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, then I would say the same kind of answer applies. How does the Holy Spirit work? Any way he wants to. Um, 
we should not place any limits on him. I do not see that Scripture places any limits on the Holy Spirit on what God does. There's so much that the Holy Spirit has done, still does, that we can't talk about it. But we can't talk about it all this morning. But in John chapter 16, we'll start in verse 7, we'll read through verse 11. Uh, This talks about some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. So Jesus is speaking, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit uh, to his disciples. And starting in verse 7, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So one of the chief things the Holy Spirit does, convict us of sin, convict us of what is right, and convict us of the coming judgment. Go ahead and finish verses, uh, starting verse 9. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. So I think these verses tell us a couple of things. One, I think it tells us what the Holy Spirit does with us as individuals. It convicts me of my sin. He convicts me of what is right. And he convicts me that there is a judgment to come. You know, when, when we were in Thailand uh, teaching people there, and I remember one of the first lessons in Thai that I spoke, uh, that I taught at church on Sunday morning, my Thai wasn't very good. And, and I, I, I said, how, how was it that some of you came to faith and believe in Jesus Christ and became Christians? I said, it wasn't because of my great use of the Thai language. And many of them laughed. Uh, And it was true. What causes a person, the urban ministry, what causes many of the Hmong people to come to faith when their background, when their traditions, when their religion is so different? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not because some person is just a great debater and teaches them and convinces them. It's the Holy Spirit working in that person, convicting us of sin, convicting us of the truth, and convicting us that there is a coming judgment. Now, I will also say that I think this verse talks about what the Holy Spirit does in a general way as well. So from the time that after Jesus died, from the time he promised the Holy Spirit and the time he came, I believe the Holy Spirit is that great witness that the world has changed forever. The Holy Spirit was like this witness that said, Jesus was my son. He did die on the cross. He was raised. I will remind you of all the things he said. And and one of the verses I like the best was verse 11, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. I think the Holy Spirit is out there to say, and in us to say, victory is ours. The ruler of this world is condemned. And the Holy Spirit is there to remind us of that and to say, we can walk and live in victory. So in a personal way and in a general way, the Holy Spirit, that's one of the main things that he does. Now, I don't have 
I don't have a slide for this, but John 14, we looked at part of John 14, but I'm going to say it. I heard Patrick usually preaches about an hour, right? Is that? <laughs> Actually, if I, go, if I go relatively quickly and I get done relatively early, see, that's, that's a little dig at Patrick. It's going to force him to try to do that too. So. Uh, John 14, 25 and 26 says this. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So, I need that teaching. I still need that teaching. And the primary, he, the primary way He does that is through His Word. But He, he does that in a lot of ways. He does, he does that with me through other people, through other Christians, through circumstances through my wife. I mean, the Holy Spirit can teach me in a number of ways, and He does, and I need that. And He also will remind me of what Jesus says. That's the Holy Spirit working. So, one writer said it this way. The Holy Spirit is the application of our salvation. Okay, so I'm letting that still sink in. I'm rolling that around in my mind. The Holy Spirit is the application of our salvation. So, Christians have made a decision to follow Jesus. We have said, I'm going to serve Him, follow Him, learn from Him the rest of my life. It's not a one-time thing. Once you make that decision, you're not done. You, you don't make that decision and you're done except for, you know, coming to church. Or, you know, no, you're, you're growing from that point forward. So the Holy Spirit working in us and through us is how our new life in Christ is applied. I'll let that roll around in your minds for a while. The application of our salvation. If, if it's not applied, one of, one of the things I love about the focus of this church is discipleship, is being a learner, is being a follower. To do that, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to be applied in our lives, in, in our salvation. Um, we do not have everything we need with our own knowledge, our own discipline, our own willpower. We, we need the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, moving, we're, we're not settled in. We're getting unpacked. I, I feel settled here and at work, but at home, no. Uh, driver's license, no. Car license plates, no. All, calling all the bill people and changing my address, no. You know, all that. We did get Wi-Fi this week uh, here. But my Wi-Fi in Texas, uh, the company that I was using, I've been trying for a month to get that squared away. I canceled it a month ago, a month ago yesterday. Um, they were supposed to send me something to send back. They didn't. Uh, then I noticed that last week they charged me again automatically out of my account, even though I had canceled a month ago. It was the second time they had charged me since I had canceled. I've called them seven times, spent probably six hours either on hold or talking with them and supervisors 
because every time you call, you talk to somebody different. Uh, they make that new person, you have to say the same thing again. Anyway, there were times this week when I was on the phone with them that I had to pray and say, God, I need your spirit working in me or I'm on the phone. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, and, and, and that may, may, may seem trivial to you, but think of all the situations in your life with family, with jobs, with people you meet, with people you meet in the Walmart line or, or where, wherever. Think of all the times when you can, if you are depending on God's spirit rather than your knowledge and willpower, then think of how that will apply in your life. We need that. As God's people, it's required of us. We don't. Francis Chan has a quote. I'll go on because this has something to say. Francis Chan um, uh, Francis Chan said, The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. Now, people may be moved temporarily by something good that some group or some person or some organization does, but moved to change, moved to transformation, moved to change life, that's not going to happen unless that group is with the Holy Spirit. So, uh, FFA, you guys don't even know what FFA is, do you? Future Farmers of America? Maybe some of you do. All right. All right. Okay. My bad. So, it doesn't matter if you're in that, which I, I was, and, and in Texas, kids were. And stuff. It doesn't matter if you're in that, or the Boy Scouts of America, or the Rotary Club International, or the Lions Club, or whatever country club. Any gathering of people. They can do good things. But the world is not going to be changed by those and certainly not changed eternally. The only way that people can be changed eternally is if God's people, the church, are doing it through the Holy Spirit that is in them. We must seek the Spirit's guidance. We must ask for it. We must look for it. We must listen for it. How many of us do that? And if we're not doing that, that is why the church as a whole is spiritually low. We must long for more of God's Spirit. A.W. Tozer once said, We have measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus than the things of the Spirit is all but gone. If we just measure our walk with God, our Christian life, by ourselves, well then we're going to do the same thing from the time we make a decision to follow Christ to the time we die. We're not going to change, we're not going to grow because we're measuring ourselves by ourselves. But why, don't, why can't we measure ourselves by what is possible through the Holy Spirit. So, um, we went to a wedding in May, I think, 
in Colorado. Uh, Phoebe went with us, some friends of ours from Thailand. One of their children was getting married, uh, went to the wedding. And then we had a day or two there after the wedding where we just kind of hung out together and renewed friendships. Uh, and Phoebe and some of the other kids of, some, of a couple of the other families decided to play this game called Bigger and Better. Uh, now, if you haven't heard of Bigger and Better, it's where they start with something and they go door to door and they say, hey, Will, do you have something bigger and better than this that you're willing to trade? And they started with, actually, you started with a quarter. And the first time, the first time they went out, how many of you went out, Phoebe? Is like, this is more than I thought. Okay, there's four of you. All right, so four of you went out door to door in the neighborhood with a quarter. First place they knocked, hey, we're going to trade this quarter for something bigger and better. Do you have something you'll give to us? That's the game. Sounds like fun, isn't it? Uh, they got, in Phoebe's estimation, a coffee mug that nobody wanted. So it didn't go so well the first time. So they were a little discouraged right off the bat. But then the second time they went out, they, they only started with a dime. And I'm going to tell you, I wrote some things down that uh, Phoebe said they got with a dime. So um, here it is. With a dime. They got a Frisbee, a huge stuffed dog that's in the picture. Uh, they got a, a case of ramen noodles that's in the picture. They got $25. They got a soccer ball that someone is playing with behind Phoebe. They got a football. They got a, some decorations. They got snacks. They got uh, all of this. She said somebody tried to give them, uh, they tried, the people who gave them the soccer ball tried to give them a dishwasher. To the four kids, they're like, no, nah, we, don't, we don't want the dishwasher. Um, they got a wallet that's in the picture. They got a big plotted plant that's not. They got a dog treat that they said they gave to a stray dog after they left that house. So what happened was this trading didn't really happen. It's like people saw these four kids and they go, oh, you want oh no, we don't need to trade here. Just take something. I got something for you. And so all of a sudden they started receiving all these things. And it was so fun for them. And they were like, wow, we started with a dime and we got all this stuff. And, and I mean, some of our friends in Colorado took the potted plant. And they had a perfect spot for it that in the, up in their house in their entryway that they'd been looking to put something there forever. It was anyway. If we don't measure ourselves by ourselves, if we seek more of God's spirit, then what will he do? And he won't take stuff away. He's just going to keep giving gifts. And then we'll continue to grow. And we won't just stay where we are. They talked about the discipleship conference. Uh, I would encourage you to come to that just because it's a way that this church is looking to grow. Uh, it's just an opportunity. So Saturday, November 2nd, register online and, and, ma and make some time to come to that. But the, I, I want to live like I have the Holy Spirit living in me as a helper. That word for advocate, that word for counselor, comforter, 
helper. We don't know how to translate it because it means all of those. I want to live my life like I have the Holy Spirit in me helping me. I don't want to live my life on my own, with my own willpower. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't work. Through, living life through my own strength is not going to get me very far. Living my life as a follower of Jesus with the Holy Spirit as my helper, that'll do amazing things. I want to live my life growing in the fruit of the Spirit. If I don't, then there's a lot of things in this life that will cause me to be bitter and sad and sorrowful. But with the Holy Spirit as my helper, even this life becomes great. And I need to be growing in that. All right, I'm going to sum some things up. I'm not close to being done, but I'm going to sum some things up. God's plan and purpose for the Holy Spirit. God's plan and purpose with the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 2. Uh, we're going to read 36 through 39, familiar passage. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Go on to verse 38. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. We like this passage. It's a good passage. We emphasize baptism. We emphasize forgiveness as well we should. The Bible does. But we don't seem to emphasize the promise. What was the promise? The promise wasn't baptism. The promise wasn't forgiveness. The promise was the gift of the Holy Spirit. This was a part of God's plan and purpose for all time. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 44, 2 and 3. The Lord who made you and helps you says, Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant. O dear Israel, my chosen one, for I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields, and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. Amen. Joel 2, 28 and 29. Then, after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days I will pour out my Spirit even on servants, men and women alike. In Acts 2, Peter quotes this passage and says, this is what you see and hear. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit in John 14, and we read that. Did you realize that in Mark 11, Jesus predicted the destruction of the temple for the second time? 
Uh, Joel says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Uh, Israel had a bad habit of thinking they were special, more special than the rest of the world. And, and they, were, they had a special purpose, but they weren't more special than anybody else. God didn't see them in that way. And over and over again, he tried to tell them that. Um, and in Mark 11, Jesus is talking about the, um, the fig tree. And, we, and then, so there's a passage about the fig tree. And then there's a passage about Jesus, what we call cleansing the temple with the whip and cords. And then he talks more about the fig tree that Jesus had cursed. Why would Jesus curse a fig tree? Why would Jesus? Well, I think if you put all of that together, you bookend Jesus doing what he did in the temple with his curse on the fig tree and the, the withering of the fig tree from the roots. I think what you see in Mark 11 is that Jesus was predicting the destruction of the temple. That cleansing of the temple was really a prediction of, you guys have messed this all up. This isn't going at all like God had purposed. And so we're going to do something new. Did you know that the temple has not been rebuilt? Do you know why? Do you have a guess as to why? God did something new. God said, you are the temple now. God said, you know, see, the rabbis believe that if you pray a prayer at the temple, it was more powerful. And God said, no, I'm going to put my spirit in you. He's not just going to live at the temple. My spirit is going to be in you, all people, men and women, all people, all nations. And you are going to be my temple. And you can have that intimacy with me at all times. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. God has a plan for all people, for all time. God has a plan for His Spirit to be with us, all people, for all time. We cannot go backward to depending on the law and our ability to obey. We cannot go backward and depend on ourselves rather than this gift of the Holy Spirit. God's plan and purpose for the Spirit ultimately is to make us holy. And the Holy Spirit applies the work of salvation to our lives and actions if we seek Him. As God's people, depend on the Holy Spirit. Seek more and more of the Holy Spirit so that we can grow in the gifts of the Spirit. So that we make an impact on the world. So that we are not depending on ourselves and our own ability to be joyful to be happy, to share with people good news. But we're depending on the Holy Spirit that is within us. I'm going to say a prayer, if you don't mind, and we'll be dismissed. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for your purpose and plan for all people of all nations for all time. Thank you that you changed our world forever 
with the sacrifice of your son Jesus and his resurrection. And thank you, God, that you've changed the world. There's a witness to the world for all time through the Holy Spirit and him coming. And Father, thank you that you made it possible for him to live within us, to remind us of all things, what's true, what's right, to convict us of sin, to give us a message of good news for others who don't know you yet, who don't know Jesus. Father, I pray that we will seek more of your spirit, that we will not depend on ourselves but on him, and that we will get this message to the rest of the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.